0: So, last Sunday morning we looked at um, Joseph, and uh, this morning we want to spend some time, and this is kind of a uh, next few weeks just looking at the different characters of the Christmas season. And I want you to look at the other miraculous birth that took place um, some 2,000 years ago, and that's the birth of John the Baptist. And I want us to see it with regards to his parents. Um, Zacharias and um, Elizabeth and their life and what we can learn from their lives. So if you begin to read with me, I'm going to read verses 1 down through verse 25 in the Gospel of Luke. So the Bible says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us from which... From the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, Of the course of Abiah and his wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Let me just stop there before I keep reading. So I'm going to ask you as we get through this, kind of like what we did last Sunday with regards to Joseph, and that's to give a profile of these two individuals and their characteristics. So follow along and, and kind of glean and pick some of these things out as we continue to read. So I'm going to get in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, His lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb, and not able to speak. "...until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And the people waited for Zacharias, and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he had beckoned unto them, and remained speechless. It came to pass, as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife, wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. Let's pray. Lord, we ask and pray that you would bless the Bible study this morning. Speak to our hearts by your word, by your Holy Spirit. Thank you again for the opportunity to be here today. Help us to learn and to glean these truths and make application in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, a couple of things here. If you just notice uh, on your handout, the birth of John the Baptist certainly plays a significant role not only in the birth of Christ, but also in the life of Christ. And much like Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, which I think Pastor Ethan preached on last Sunday, and I think I mentioned as well, behold, the Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, Isaiah prophesied, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. And that prophecy was prophesied some between five and 600 years before the birth of Christ. But the birth of John, John the Baptist, was prophesied as well. And um, if you just skip over it and read it, but look over at verse 67 of the same chapter. Um, after John is born and his father announces his name, it says this, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has, he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Look at verse 70, and as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which had been since the world began. So just notice quickly on your handout, just a couple of prophecies. One was in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. This is the birth of John as a fulfillment of this prophecy. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Of course, that would be the ministry of John the Baptist. And then in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So these are two prophecies, not about the coming of Jesus, but about John the Baptist, who would declare Behold, many of you know this verse, just kind of quote it out loud with me. It's found in the Gospel of John. I'll get started. It's not going to be on the screen. Behold the, what? Yeah, behold the, the Lamb of God. And what does the Lamb of God do? He, oh boy, I thought you'd know this. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And uh, I guess many of you don't know that verses, uh, but that's the verse I was trying to get out of you. That would be John the Baptist. He would he would preach. He was, uh, and, and we're not actually looking at John so much today. We'll look at John at a later date. He's an interesting individual. But um, and I was thinking about, I'm going to go into a rabbit hole. I was thinking about this last night. I was laying in bed waiting to fall asleep. And I'm thinking about all the different individuals in the Bible. And just sometimes think about that. All the different characteristics, all the different types of people. They, it wasn't like all the Bible characters are cookie cutters. You know, the same the same type. They all had different personalities. And, um, and then I thought, well, you're going to find that in a local church as well. You're going to have all different types of people with all different types of personalities. That's just the nature of the way things are. But... Um, this John the Baptist, this fulfillment is taking place here, and so I said earlier that this is a miraculous. This is a miraculous birth. Now, it's not nearly as miraculous as the birth of Jesus Christ and Him being born of Mary, a virgin. Okay, but what makes this miraculous? Okay, so you've read this with me, and I'm asking you to make some to do a little profiling here. Why is this birth of John a miraculous? What's what's, what's one of the reasons? She was barren. Okay? She had never had a child. And uh, you know, in that culture, especially, um, it was really heartbreaking for her not to have a child. It was, and it still is today. When people have children, it's a blessing of the Lord. But the Bible says the Lord openeth the womb and the Lord closeth the womb. So, number one, she was barren. What else does it say about her? Yes. They're old; they were beyond childbearing years. So, though, not only was she barren, but the likelihood now was it's over; they're not going to have children any longer. So, uh, this is this is quite a, an accomplishment here, and uh, this this birth that would take place. Now, what else though, with regards to them? And and if you notice on your handout, I verse six on your handout with regards to who they were. They were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. So again, the theme to this message this morning is what can we learn? What can we take from their lives and apply it to our lives? As parents, those of you that are are here as parents, because they're a great example of parents. There's a lot to learn from them in their parenting. Um, as grandparents, uh, just as adults that desire to have an influence on the next generation. Someone said this years ago. I wrote it down it's in my notes. I put it on my, my hand. It's not on yours. They said this. It's just a simple statement. They said, do not expect your children to be a stronger Christian than you are willing to be. Now, there are always exceptions to the rule. But you understand what that statement means. Because your children look to you as an example. Or I remember hearing somebody said this many years ago. You as a parent, what you do in moderation, your children will do in excess. Now, that can work both ways. But what you do in moderation, how you live your life, your commitment, and the gist of this is going to be, is your commitment as a parent, grandparent, as an adult, an uncle, an aunt, an older member of the body of Christ, younger people looking to you, is that going to bring draw young, the next generation closer to the Lord, or will it push them away from the Lord? And as you raise your children, and then they become adults, and then you have grandchildren. What do we learn from, from Zacharias and Elizabeth here? So you notice they were, according to verse 6, they were righteous. And that word, <coughs> when you study that word about, out in the Bible, it just means they, they conformed to those things which were right. They did what, that which was expected, the one who sets the rules and the regulations. It said, look at it says in verse 6. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. So, the one who sets the rules and the regulations isn't you. Even, even raising your children to an extent, yes, you do set the rules and regulations in your home. But who ultimately sets the rules and the regulations? God. He sets the rules and he sets the regulations. He's the one that that, um, as you know, Joshua said, Joshua chapter twenty-four and verse fifteen. Let's see how many of you know this verse. As for me and my house, you know it. We will serve the Lord, and that's just the way it's going to be. That's the way. That's my. That's the Eric Malachuk uh, paraphrase. That's just the way it's going to be. That's just what we're going to do. So. Some things we we notice here before I kind of let you give me some of these characteristics. Some other things to point out. So look what it says in verse 6. They were walking in all the commandments and ordinances. If you're my age, do you remember the, the advertisement, let your fingers do the walking? Anybody remember that advertisement? What was that for? Anybody remember? The yellow pages. For you that are younger, believe it or not, Every, day, every year, we'd get a phone book delivered to the house. And if you needed to know, find somebody's phone number, you could open it up, and there was the white pages and the yellow pages. What do you think the yellow pages were for? Maybe, maybe I'm not that dated. The yellow pages were for businesses. The white pages were to find... And you, and you look for... Now all you have to do is Google, and, um, and it's all done with. And these were, these were in the days... When you still had to crank the no no you could you dial you dial the phone and uh, there was a time. Listen, when I moved to Reedsboro, you only if you wanted to call there was we they just had finished party lines in Reedsboro. and if you wanted to call somebody in Readsboro, you only had to dial four numbers, the four two three. Everybody had four two three, so you just needed to dial like my last four numbers are 5495. If you want to dial my house, just dial nine four five and. Those were the days, I'll tell you what. Now you just Google. But walking with the Lord, and then the other thing to point out, look at verse 10. The whole multitude of people were praying, and then in verse 13, middle of it, for thy prayer is heard. So I've always said this. I've said this, and you notice it's on your handout. There are are really, if you're going to walk, if you're going to be the kind of Christian that God wants you to be, If you're going to try to emulate the example of Zacharias and Elizabeth, you need to be walking in God's Word. Let your fingers do the the walking. Just turn the pages of God's Word on a regular basis. You're in the Bible regularly, and you need to be regularly praying. That's about as simple. If if you'll just do that, if you'll just spend time every day in God's Word and every day in prayer, you're, you're... You're on the right path. The Bible says in Psalm 1.1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight shall be in what? Anybody know? The law of the Lord. And he shall be as a tree planted by the rivers of water. So you notice what the psalmist said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Be careful. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Or stand, or, or, um, or stand, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. There's a progression there. And we need to be careful of that. So spending time walking with the Lord. And this is what Zacharias and Elizabeth were. They were people who even Listen, they were. I'm sure as parents, they were heartbroken. They had never had a child. But they still walked with the Lord. And they still prayed. And um, apparently... All right, now I'm going to kind of open it up. So apparently, you tell me some things about them as, as we've read through this here. Uh, let me just ask this question. Does anybody have any, uh, any idea? It said in verse number 5, it said there was a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia. Anybody, under, anybody know what that is? The course of Abia. Yeah. What is that? Uh, back when uh, God called uh, uh, Aaron, brother to the priest of Abia, was uh, one of the descendants. You're right on track. So what is this? That's true, everything you just said. Notice uh, what it says in verse 8. And it came to pass while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. So you're right on track, Jim. What is this, the order of his course? What is this? Without looking at and without Googling it. Not allowed to do that. All right, so simply it's this. If you went back, to, I think it's in 1 Chronicles. This was a privilege that you were given. So Zacharias was a priest, but he would only serve for one week in the temple. You were picked, and there were 24 courses. And you were picked to go in, and you were picked to, um, to fulfill. His, his responsibility was to light the altar of incense. And this would be for one week. And then that would be it. And then someone else would get the opportunity to serve. So this is the, this is the context of which the angel Gabriel speaks to Zechariah. He's fulfilling a ministry that was a privilege to fulfill. It's an honor to do this. And, um, uh, and this is the setting here. So what else do we learn about these two individuals as we read through this? Anybody just pick some things out. Alright, we're going to talk about that. They're prayer warriors. What else? Yes? You kind of but faithful they were Yeah, these are faithful people. Absolutely faithful. I think we could say that these were people who loved the Lord, right? Just by their. Their experience. What else? Yes? I just have a question. What was he praying for? It says in um, your prayer is heard. What was he praying for? I'm going to say that he was actually praying for the fact that they could possibly have a child. Because it says, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. would an old guy and, and his older wife be praying for something that has never been happening never happen? <clears throat> it, it okay, happens. that's a good question. But had it never happened before? Now remember, these are two people who, who know the Old Testament. Is there any example in the Old Testament where a woman who was beyond childbearing had a child? Go ahead. Who? Sarah. So this has happened, and, and I can only assume this, that of people of faith, if they did it for Sarah, well, God can do it for us too. Now, that, 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 now that doesn't always mean God is going to do it for you. What do you want to say, Ethan? Yeah, let me just stop you before you go on. How many, t- how many times have we prayed for something and we, we we feel the same way sometimes? But go ahead. praying, as they all were praying, for the restoration of Israel. If he's praying for the restoration of Israel, the birth of John the Baptist is the promised prophet who would bring about the Messiah. So I think he's praying for the... I just think no, no, it's, and it's a good possibility because it would be Simeon later on who would pray for the consolation of Israel. And we'll look at that too. Yes? has been a prayer from years ago, and it was a prayer of his heart, but he thought it would never get answered. Oh, that's good too, yeah. I never thought of that. They're right on the ball there, daughter in law. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> well, and yeah. What else? Anything else with regards to that? Um. Jack Rice was skeptical to some degree. Yeah, yeah, he was skeptical because, and we're all skeptical, aren't we? And at uh, times, you know, we all have times of doubt and, and even confusion. So we see that. Well, let's we're, we're going to run out of time because um, uh, of our testimonies early on. I want I want to kind of get through this quickly now. So let's look at some things real quick. So we've already mentioned. Look at verse thirteen. So the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. So we've already mentioned he's a prayer warrior. And um, the Bible reminds us, if you notice on your handout, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you know, we're commanded to pray. We're commanded to come boldly to the throne of grace. First John tells us, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And um, that's so important. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But real quickly, how do we, what gives us access to the throne of God? What gives us access to the throne of God? Right? The blood of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is what gives us access to the throne of God. So, you and I are... Now let's kind of bring this back to the adults that we are, the ch- parents that we are, the, the grandparents, the uncles, the aunts, the example. We need to be praying people. Elizabeth and Sagariah were praying people. So, I was commending my daughter-in-law. From the time my son was a little boy, I prayed for him to be married to a godly wife. I pray for all my children that way. So she's an answer to prayers from... How long have you guys been married now? I've lost track of time. How many? 17 years? 18. So probably... Uh, Ethan's going to be 40 pretty soon. I've been praying for Ethan for almost... I prayed for him for all of those years, and then he brought Deborah home. And I could give this talk about my other children as well. But I remember sitting in his room uh, over Christmas vacation, I think it was. Sometimes I lose track of all this. And he said, he told me, Dad, I met somebody at college. Whoa. I said, really? And then he brought her home, and we completely overwhelmed her. There's <laughs> just a lot of us, and it's noisy. And we were doing construction, too, weren't we, on the house? We were building the addition at that time. And it was just crazy. scene. Anyhow, she's an answer to prayer, my daughter-in-law. Uh, Kristen is an answer to prayer. My son-in-laws are answer to prayers. And then as Lord willing, as my other children find a wife, I've had to pray extra hard for you. (laughs) Anyhow, let's move on. (laughs) So we also notice this. When you live righteously, when when you're a praying person, when you're in the word of God, look what it says in verse 14. And thou shalt have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice at his birth. When a child is born, like my daughter Bethany is due now in, March, or in, uh, um, in May. And so when we first heard the news, there was joy. She's, she's going to have a child. She's the first of the daughters. Uh, she wins the prize. I'm not sure what the prize is, but the first of the daughters now to have a, a child. And uh, they told us the other day what their names were going to be. I forgot what they said that they were going to be. So, uh, anyhow, she made me keep it a secret, like, forever. You know, like, like I, uh, good thing I forgot. So, anyhow, um, I didn't forget that she was going to have a child. I forgot what the, the child's names were going to be. No, I, I, I'm not that old yet. I'm, I'm getting, But that's, it's just joy. There's personal joy and there's corporate joy. Well, the same is true just about our, our, our life. And our walk with the Lord, right? The walk with the Lord who brings joy and gladness. Look what it says in John chapter 16 on your handout. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish. Now, let me just stop for a minute. I was with my wife for all eight of our children, and I remember the anguish of giving birth. And my wife was a. She was. Uh, I think her longest labor. I don't even think it was three hours. And so she was like. One time we literally walked in. She made me stop for gum on the way to the hospital. We walked in, put the gowns on, went into the delivery room, and it was all over. Like that was done. It was just done. And um, now, now. <laughs> It's easy for me to say it was just because I was just there. I was supposed to be the coach. You know, we went to coaching classes and all of that, Lamaze classes. I don't know if they still do that. But I remember that first child, Ethan, being born. I took her arm and I was trying to be a comfort. She looked up at me and she said, Get away from me. <laughs> so, that was that. so from that point on, I was there in the delivery room. And I just kind of stood back and let the nurses and the doctors do everything and kind of knew, let her know that I was there. But, but a, a woman, she gives birth. And then it says, for joy that a man is born into the world. And uh, then, you know, when you've given birth to a child, the phone calls are made and people are excited and, and, um, and so it is. But when things happen in our Christian lives, there's joy and gladness as well. And we ought to rejoice and be glad, you know, both personally and corporately. Like in 1 Corinthians, it says, when one member suffer, all the members suffer. But when one member is honored, all the members should rejoice. And that's true. We just heard of someone whose uh, daughter attends our Wednesday night program. And um, she's been coming for quite a while. And she just told um, my son, Aaron, that uh, they've left the Catholic church and they were trying to decide which church to attend. And it was between ours and another church that preaches the gospel in town. And her best friend goes to that other church. And so huh, we're disappointed. Well, what we would have loved to have her come and worship with us. But on the other hand, we rejoice in the fact that she's come and I'm not even sure if she's saved yet, but she's come to realize there's something wrong about this organization and she needs to find the truth. So we rejoice in that. And um, so when things happen, we, we rejoice. And these were people who who they were people who could rejoice. In verse 44 of this same chapter, for lo, for lo, as soon as the voice of the salutation sounded in mine ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. John the Baptist, he's not even, he's not even uh, born yet, and he's rejoicing uh, in the womb. It's pretty amazing, amen? And um, we could go down a whole other line of thinking with regards to that. But then fifth, verse 15, not only were these praying people and walking with the Lord, and not only did they rejoice in the things of God, but these were people who were filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. So let me ask you, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Ghost? What does that mean, to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Your temple, your body is he doesn't dwell in us, that's true. But the, the idea, because it's found, like, for instance, look on your handout. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Ghost? We know the moment that you and I get saved, the Holy Spirit indwells within us. But what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, Ab? I would say it's uh, whatever decisions you make in your life, whatever actions you take, you Kind of, kind of like a conscience. Like, you know, is this going to glorify God? Is what I'm doing going to help me live my life to glorify God? Right. So, because we're out of time, I would get yeah, you. See, you're allowing the. You're being influenced by the Holy Spirit, right? So you notice this verse that's on your handout: "Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit." Well, if someone has if someone has been drinking an alcohol, alcohol and they get pulled over, uh, they're, it's called driving under the what? The influence. It's a kind of ironic that the scriptures use this. And the negative effects of the influence of alcohol. Um, and I can tell you from firsthand the negative effects. And, and most of you, you know my testimony. And that's why the Bible warns us. In Proverbs chapter 20, it says, Wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging. And it says, And whosoever is deceived thereby is unwise. Um, The dangers of alcohol. Or it says in Proverbs, Who hath woe, and who hath sorrow? Who hath contention?" And then it goes on and it says, Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Why? Because they're under the influence of that. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. Why? Because you're under the influence of that. Thine eye shall behold strange women. Thy heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They've stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They've beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? And then you know what it says? After all these things, babblings, contention, bruises without cause, strange women the whole it says it's like somebody who's on a ship that's being tossed and at the end of that you know what it says when i awake i'll do it all over again that's the influence but our influence has to be the influence of the holy spirit the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long suffering gentleness goodness um, Faith, temperance, I think I got them all there. Meekness, against such there is no law. So that's being filled with the Spirit. And, um, and as Adam said, or, and then I finished up with, yeah, that's, that's, you're influenced by that. There's a lot of confusion today about being filled with the Holy Spirit. No, it's just that you're influenced by the Spirit of God in your life. These were people who were filled by the Spirit of God. And then lastly, as we finish up, it says this in verse 16. And many of the children of Israel shall be turned to the Lord their God. So Zacharias and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, they walked with the Lord. They were praying people. Their prayers were heard. They were people who rejoiced in the things of God. They were people who were filled with the Holy Ghost. And this birth, the birth of John, John would be used of God to turn, Many, many hearts. And just we finish up, again, Acts 26:18. Paul wrote these words kind of to characterize his ministry. He was sent to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them, which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Just again, repeat what I said earlier and we're done. Do our actions... To who we are as believers. Do they, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth, do they, and John the Baptist, do they turn people to the Lord or do they turn people away from the Lord? When we live righteously before God, we're going to turn people to the Lord, not away from the Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless now the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgreylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.